Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to another How Jamaica Conquered the World podcast. This week has been a busy one. I've gone off and interviewed 80s legend Tipper Irie, who was a really lovely bloke and gave me well over an hour of his time. And I've secured an interview with Ishmael Bear. Now, many people won't know of Ishmael, but Ishmael is a UN ambassador and he used to be a child soldier in Sierra Leone. He has an amazing story to tell with a link between himself being a child soldier and the island of Jamaica through the music of Bob Marley. But those are for future episodes. But this one is The Rise of the DJs. This is the story of how one small island conquered the world. Jamaican Patwa. And a fair start, a Sapa Pound. Usain Bolt is also out well. Here they come down the track. Usain Bolt! It's a story of music, sport and style. How its rhythms, athletes and language went global. Pull up, pull up! This is how Jamaica conquered the world. Yeah, this is Dennis Alcapone, you know, original DJ from the 70s. I am Aishen Samal from the Mama Warriors, the lead singer. I am from Trenchtown. My name is Cleveland Brownie. I'm better known to the music industry and my fans are Cleve, one half of the musical and production duo, Cleve and Cleve. My name is Wayne Marshall. I'm a musicologist from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Movements is the name of my thing. And you can't tell me who to suck it to. Jamaica DJ music started way, way back. In Jamaica at the time, we had the A side when we just got into vinyl. The A side being the vocal side and the B side being the version. A lot of sound systems were evolving. You read Coxon's Studio One into the Jamaican lifestyle of playing out into yards, into white spaces. And we had people like you, Roy, being a early box boy, King Stitch being one of the box boys. You know what I'm saying? They had early access to being with the mics. You know what I'm saying? And being associated with the sound system, they were the most privileged ones to get a chance to be with the mic. Here are some jealous people. Let's just forget, you're still tuned to the most they coast from the little post. He's Michael Sir Cox and Scaram Beach.
some necessity. I mean, I said necessity is the mother of invention. You know, the early sound systems had one turntable, and in between the transition from one record to another, you had to fill the gap. You know, no vibe could be left there, or you kill the, the, the vibe of the crowd. You know, so people started filling in. You know, that's the beginning of the whole toasting thing. You know, putting in talk in between. With the flick of my wrist, I bring you a brand new disc. You know, things like that. You know, and that eventually evolved into rap or DJing or whatever, toasting. The reason they're called DJs is that, you know, initially this is coming out of, you know, radio parlance. We didn't really have another concept for what, you know, somebody, to what to call somebody who's up there playing records and kind of talking about the records, sometimes talking over the records. Um, and one of the models there were, you know, um, African-American disc jockeys broadcasting out of the South, um, you know, playing the same R&B music that was very popular in Jamaica, but also, you know, putting their own sort of jive-sprinkled spin on things, um, doing lots of rhyming, lots of sort of rhythmic speech, um, plenty of slang and that kind of thing. And uh, you can really hear their legacy, especially in a lot of the early um, you know, uh, sound system DJs like Uroy and, and, and so forth. Put it one more time from the top again. We're ready whenever you are. This is the day of rock, Eastwood. I am the ugly one. If you want me, meet me. Yeah, in the early days, um, like Sir Coxon's days with King Stitch, there was not a lot of um, riding the rhythm with those DJs. It's more or less introducing the record or telling about the dance that's coming next week or the week after. You know, it was all about that. But when the record is playing, the only thing you'd hear from the DJ sometimes is and, but we cannot change that in, in the later years so that um, that sound you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Now you're not one full surrounded by these brothers of talent. Like the man called Alvin from Tennis Saxophone, along with the man, the great producer, K. Hudson around. Still a kind of real cloudy, like I say. That bring back this musical disc called Dynamic Fashion Way. Third version of the old fashion way. Yeah, the good and don't be rude. So brother, you'll be real cool when I spin musical disc of today. It could be only by special request that I do so. The two main studios in Kingston at this time were Coxon Studio One and Duke Reed's Treasure Isle. And, you know, these were also the, the main sound system operators. Coxon had his downbeat, Duke Reed had his Trojan, and, um, you know, they, they both um, used this, this sort of symbiosis between the studios and the uh, sound systems to develop their product and, and develop a taste for it and, and distribute it and get it out there and all that. 
Um, they both had really amazing, basically house bands working at their studios. Many of them were players, you know, who'd been on the scene for a long time, who'd played in the Scatolites and so forth. Um, uh, guys like Jackie Matu, Roland Alfonso, uh, Tommy McCook, um, these guys who had really amazing chops um, and would uh, work basically as day laborers, um, you know, for hours and hours at a time, uh, churning out new rhythms um, and, uh, and working with singers and, and helping to arrange things around their songs and that sort of thing. In the 70s, um, I was called to work at Studio One. And um, Sir Coxon Dad used to come and pick me up six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I didn't know that um, I would ever be getting up at that time to do studio work. You know, and um, I used to go down there at six in the mornings and um, overdub on some old tracks and um, also make new tracks. At that time, King Stitt and Count Matruke used to come to the studio. I mean, they were with Studio One long before I came there. But I had the opportunity of meeting Kaut Machuki and um, Kingston. It's an amazing feeling to me having met these people. I've been hearing on records for years. Never seen them, didn't put face, wasn't able to put face to the songs. So what would happen is that you would, you know, record these songs in the studio and then you could um, press them onto, uh, you know, what people started to refer to as a dub plate. You know, you could make a double, you could make a copy of it onto uh, an acetate pressing, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, basically a kind of hard wax. It's a little softer. Uh, than, than vinyl, and you could therefore press it up that day, take it to the uh, sound system that night, and, and give it a rinse and see what happens. And um, so at these sound system events, you'd have the selector, the person who's actually queuing up the records and so forth, and then increasingly you have a separation between that, that labor and, on the other hand, um, the DJ, the person who's introducing things and increasingly offering, um, you know, his own... Uh, lyrics and, and, and tunes and, and so forth over the popular rhythms of the day. I am Franco Nero, the big gun. I serve death to the highest bidder. If you want me, meet me face to face. DJs were starting to develop a real reputation. You know, it was uh, they were often um, as big a draw as the sound system or, or anything else. Where you're taking essentially the sound system experience, somebody talking over an instrumental from a record that you already know, and actually putting that on a record. I try to impart to people what a kind of conceptual leap that is. First of all, it's already a conceptual leap to do the sound system thing, where instead of having a band at an event or instead of just having a jukebox, you have a live person who's taking these recordings and sort of activating them, sort of making them real, part of this live sociability that's happening. But then to take that experience, including the talking over the records and introducing them and, and whatever other kinds of routines that these guys were using, and putting that itself on a record that might get played at one of these events or on the radio, was quite a leap, and yet it was a leap that the Jamaican audience went for uh, wholeheartedly. So when they finally released a few of these sides featuring Uroy, they went straight to the top of the charts. 
way, that move of the DJ to the sort of foreground um, has really just continued in Jamaican music. And ultimately, you can see dancehall as a real outcome of that, where it's all about this vocalizing DJ uh, on top of the pre-recorded track. Reggae! After the era of Daddy Uright coming up, um, to, to bring us to Michigan and Smiley, King Yellow Man, you know what I'm saying? This era lasted very long and it's still happening right now when we had the Bojibantans and the Capitans. Yes, this is the era that started it from the early times of toasting on the mics from them time until now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.